Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Men at Acme. What an exciting episode today. We've got Sean from The Love Drive. He is a dating coach, love coach, whatever you want to call him. He's so awesome. He's got a huge TikTok presence and Instagram presence, and he's really good at giving advice. And he actually has a degree in it, a license in it. And he'll tell you more about that in our episode. But before we get into that, I'm going to answer a few of your questions and then get right into it. The first one that came up a lot actually is to talk about political differences and how to handle with friends, significant others, significant others, family, et cetera. Well, I first, I want to say, um, you know, for me, it's a really exciting time. The fact that Joe Biden is the president elect. I think it's really amazing just that just knowing that people are for inclusivity again and that hopefully we will be a less divided world. You know, no matter what you believe, it's so important to to be united. And I feel like we were so stretched apart like in our beliefs. There was such a far right and such a far left but really nothing in the middle. So I'm hoping that now we can get back to a place where there is some sort of middle ground. Um, But talking about political differences is really hard. I had a hard conversation with someone in my own family about this, you know, yesterday. And it was really difficult because especially when someone in your family is a single party voter or sorry, a single issue voter. So this is for anyone that doesn't know, it's when you, let's say, only vote because you want better taxes. So you're basically only voting for, let's say, a Republican because you want to be taxed less. And single issue voting is just not something that's for me personally. But, you know, when you have a family member that has a different view on this, can be really tempting to kind of get into it with them. But I think honestly, the best way, and I need to talk to my therapist about this to make sure, but I think the best way is just to avoid that conversation because it's not like it's an elephant in the room, right? Like, you know that you don't agree on X, Y, and Z, but like, I'm not sure that you should keep trying to get someone to hear your side and vice versa. It's like, a lot of people are brainwashed to one side. And by the way, that doesn't mean that one side is right and one side is wrong. It's just that like, if somebody has a view, they're usually going to keep that view no matter what you say. So unless you can have a civil conversation, it's just going to end up hurting both of you. So I would try to avoid it. If it's your significant other's family, like you can let your side or your thoughts be known, but I wouldn't try to get into it with them. Just try to focus on what you do have in common and try to see those commonalities because it's really hard. Someone asked me to talk about ego when rejected. Oof, rejection is the worst. I'll never forget the first time I was rejected. I went into a serious depression after that. I also was fired. So it was 
bad timing in general, but it was really hard. And at the time I was smoking weed. So I would just like get high and try to forget the fact that I was rejected. But the reality was I felt like shit about myself. And I was like, obviously I suck. You know, maybe I don't look good enough. Maybe I need to change the way I look. Maybe I need to lose weight. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. And it's like, rejection is not about you. And this sounds so cheesy, but rejection is really your protection. So that's first and foremost. But secondly, like if someone rejects you, it's just not a match. And you've rejected people before, I'm sure. And it wasn't because you didn't think they were hot enough. And it wasn't because you thought they were a bad person for the most part. It just was something that you didn't feel. So I would try to think about why you reject people. And that can sometimes make you feel better about it. And then also just realize like every single person has been rejected at some point in their lives, whether it's from a job, a significant other, or even a friendship. And that's okay. Like we're not going to be able to dance at every wedding. We're not going to be able to be everyone's cup of tea. And that is totally fine. How do people give too much of themselves away in a relationship? AKA, what does true independence look like when you're dating someone great? That's such a great question. I think that it's really easy to give too much of yourself away in a relationship. And I think that happens when you are losing touch with what you feel and what you believe. And it's so tough and it's such a fine line because when you spend so much time with someone, you really become them in a lot of ways. You like morph into each other. You have similar views. But if there's part of you that is dissimilar to them, which hopefully there is because you can't be the exact same person as your partner and you have an identity separate from them, it's so important to maintain that. Whether that's just what you do for a living or it's just something that you like that they don't like. Like maybe you love watching shows on Bravo, but they don't. And so you stop doing that and you suppress that, but that's not being true to yourself, even that. Or you love going on walks alone, but they love to go on walks with you. So you stop going on walks alone. Like you can still do the things that you want to do. Maybe you want to have a weekend away with the boys or with the girls. And you don't do that because you feel like, they would be upset. Like true independence is like doing the same things that you did before you had a partner, obviously putting your partner first, but you know, not completely changing yourself for somebody. When you were younger, were you one of those people who faked your eye exam to get glasses because glasses just looked cool and everyone was wearing glasses? Nope. That's just me. Okay. That's awkward. Um, but you really need to try blue blocks. And I'll tell you why. But first of all, you get to wear cool glasses and you don't have to have a prescription, which is amazing. But more importantly, the blue light from our screens is so damaging for eyes and it leads to like intense digital eye strain, blurred vision, headaches, dry and watery eyes. It can even contribute to depression and anxiety and low energy. Nobody wants any of these things. And you might be suffering from this without even knowing just because you're on your phone a lot or you're behind your computer for work. And it's not 
good. It's just really not good for you. And that's why Blue Blocks was created to change this. And they have high quality lenses for daytime, nighttime, and for color therapy exactly in line with all of the things that I just mentioned. So first of all, they can also turn your pair of glasses into custom blue blockers. So you don't even have to buy a new pair or you can. I personally love their glasses and I have a pair because they're just chic and cool. And I love to wear them without having to actually, you know, like see through them. And every glass, like every time you purchase glasses, they donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need. So you can also feel like you're doing something great, which I always love. Um, My glasses have like a red tint and they're very chic. I'll post them on Instagram. And what's the chicest thing about them is that they actually help me and they cure my anxiety, depression, and low energy for the moment that I'm wearing them. And I actually feel so much better being behind screens all the time. So I like to get my energy back. I like to sleep better and block out the unhealthy effectives of blue light with blue blocks. And I want you to try it too. So go to blue blocks today and get free shipping worldwide and 15% off with the code ACME. B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use the code ACME and you'll get 15% off. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. Should you delete pictures of your ex on your phone, like from past vacations? I actually don't do this. I don't really feel a need to. I don't feel triggered by these photos unless it does bring up a feeling of like cringe or triggering or whatever it might be. I leave it. If it does, I would absolutely delete it. It's It really depends on where you are emotionally when it comes to that person in your life. The Undoing. Ooh, this is such a good show. I don't want to reveal too much for people who haven't listened. And so if you haven't listened, skip ahead. But The Undoing is a new show with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. And it's very similar to Big Little Lies, in my opinion, because it's just like Nicole Kidman and drama and a school and kids. But essentially, there's this woman that Hugh Grant was having an affair with. And her son was sick with cancer and he was a doctor. And so he was taking care of the son and then they ended up having an affair. And then she became obsessive. And she started to kind of like stalk Nicole Kidman. Because I feel like we we all get like that at some level, right? It's like we stalk like the exes and the new partners. Um, hopefully we're not the other woman stalking someone. I mean, that's that's definitely a new level. Um, but it's a really good show and a lot of things are now being revealed. And I don't want to say too much, but I will say that I think that he didn't kill this woman and that he was just having an affair with her, which it's so funny. I had this argument with my boyfriend yesterday. I was like, well, isn't that just as bad? And he was like, no cheating on someone is not just as bad as murdering someone. And I was like, but if you're married with kids, like it can hurt just as bad. And he's like, no, that's like psychotic to kill someone. And it's not okay to cheat, but it's not on the same level. 
And I was like, I don't know. It feels like it is. I feel like I need to do a poll on that. But no, obviously killing someone, murdering someone is way worse, but it's kind of fucked up either way. How to tell your partner that you go to therapy and when. I think it's a power move to say that you go to therapy sooner rather than later. I think that if you if you pose it as the way that it is, which is that like, hey, I'm doing this thing to better myself. I love therapy. Like, what are your thoughts on therapy? I think that's a great question to have in the beginning because you want to know, I mean, at least I would want to know where they stand when it comes to self-improvement and working on themselves. And the best response is for them to be like, that's awesome. I think that's so cool. You know, therapy really helped my mom or whatever it is. Sorry, I have to take a sip of water. And I think that the ideal response is like, oh, that's awesome. I love therapy. I'm actually in therapy too. And the worst response is like, why would you do that? Is something wrong with you? Um, And judgment, which is never, ever good. Is having no red flags a red flag? Yes. At least for me, it was when I, I dated this Australian guy who I've spoken about in the past and he had zero red flags. He was like a former Olympian, worked for Google, was like 6'6". Like everything was going right. You know, he was gorgeous. He was sweet. And obviously he had a girlfriend. So just like be careful there. How to handle it when your partner loves receiving head, but you don't love giving it. Tips or tricks. Okay. This is the last one. And if you're a parent listening, that's related to me. Skip ahead. Um, But yeah, I mean, we did this poll question and we were like, do you genuinely enjoy giving head? And it was like 65% of people said no, which I kind of get. Like, it's not always fun to give head. But when you're with somebody that you love and the idea of pleasing them is an exciting idea for you, then I think it gets more fun. And like, you know, before I dated my now partner, I didn't love, like, I didn't like giving head at all. And I still don't really love it. Like, let's be honest. It, it's called a job for a reason. But if you figure out a way to make it work, like for example, I'll be doing it. And if, I, if I'm getting tired, I'll be like, okay, what can I do to like speed this up? And I ask for feedback. I'm like, I'm like, show me, you know, whether it's like, I don't know, like jerking them off and like putting it in your mouth at the same time. Um, much respect to call her daddy right now for this because I've made fun of or like said shit about them in the past, but it's hard to talk about this, this shit. But yeah, I think that you should, you know, like do whatever it takes to get done quicker. And that comes with communication of like, what are you enjoying right now versus what can I do better? And also like try to do it at a time where like they haven't come already that day so that it happens quicker if it's something you don't like. And try to get in a comfortable position and just like think about the fact that they do it for you and hopefully they enjoy it. And think about the fact that like, how cool is it that I can like make them come doing this one thing? And if they love something, you should try to love it. And those are my tips and tricks. And now Sean. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here today with love coach slash dating guru, Sean Galanos. Hey, Sean. Hi, how's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so happy that you are here. So where are you right now? I'm in my apartment in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Very cool. Does that mean uh, vous parlez français? Oui, je parle français. I was born here. 
and then moved to the States when I was 12. And then I just moved back a few years ago. Very cool. So Sean, how old are you? And I guess now we know where you're from, but how old are you? I'm 38 years old, which would put me at the very tippy tip edge of millennials, I think. Yes, definitely. But you're still there. I, I, I think I was like pretty shocked when I looked up the dates for millennials. It was like up to 39, right? Something yeah, like that? I think that? it's 1980. Mm-hmm. Like bo- born in like 80 or 81 or something. So I was born in 1982. I'm a Virgo, yeah. by the way. I know that's a thing that Oh you my care. God. You, I was going to guess. Um, I don't know if I would have guessed Virgo. Do you know anything else? Like your rising or moon? Uh, Capricorn rising and a Cancer moon. Okay. Because I'm getting very, uh, very Cancer Capricorn vibes, which is funny because they're opposites, but like it goes back and forth. Um, Virgo, it's interesting. You notice a lot, which makes sense because you like talk, you have all these videos on things that you've obviously noticed that you have thoughts on. Yeah. My job is to like distill what's going on, especially as a coach, right? People come to me and have these like really big stories. And so mm-hmm. my job is to sort of distill it down to that thing. Right. So yeah, I am very analytical and very, I have some of the like Virgo traits of perfectionism, but then mm-hmm. softened by the cancer moon. Yeah. Well, I want to get into your job, but before we get into that, what is your current relationship status? Oh, I'm in a, I'm in a midterm committed monogamous relationship. Mm, what is a midterm like? It's not quite short term, not quite long term. Uh, ah, we met about three years ago, but our we we like transitioned into a more committed relationship over those over that time period. But I mm-hmm. think that we were are like officially in a relationship is sort of like the beginning of this year, so about nine or so months. Okay, that's interesting because we're about nine months, um, my partner and I. And it's just funny because every like a lot of people still call it a new relationship. So I'm happy that it I can now say it's actually not a new relationship. It's a midterm relationship. It's a midterm relationship. Yeah. I mean, I just made that up. So right. Well, we're going to run with it. At what point do we think that it becomes midterm? Like after seven months? I I think after a year. I mean, because I, I met my partner three years ago and there was a you know, ups and downs and transi- transitions and whatnot. But I think a year, let's go with a year. Okay. And, and what's your partner's sign? Um, so she's an Aries. And Ooh. yeah, so she's all fire and I'm all earth with a little yeah. bit of cancer. So we balance each other out very well. I don't, uh, off the top of my head, don't know what her rising and her moon are. Yeah. Virgo Aries find each other often. Um, it's, it's an interesting pair. I feel like as you get older, your hair just becomes so much more important than it ever has been. Like growing up, you don't think about your hair. You're just like living your life. And then all of a sudden you're like, what's the deal with my hair? Is it thinning? Why isn't it growing? Like I once got a haircut and my hair legit did not grow back. And I realized like recently that sulfates are so terrible for your hair. And like the drugstore shampoo and conditioner, it just isn't good for you. And like if you're using it and it works for you, great. But if you're not excited about it and it's kind of not like doing anything for your hair, then you need, need, need to try Function of Beauty. I'm telling you, first of all, it's 
completely customizable. So you take this really quick quiz on their website and you can even choose the smell and the color of the shampoo and conditioner that you choose. And it uses the function of beauty. They determine the right blend of all the ingredients for your hair and your hair needs. So like whether you want it shinier or thicker or to have more body, like you can write all of that in and they will give you, deliver to you your personalized formula right to your door in the cutest little customized bottle. Mine is green and it says function of Linny, but whatever you want, they will do it for you. It's so cool. And they also give you stickers like who doesn't love stickers? And they only use clean ingredients, which is so amazing. Their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. And as I mentioned before, no sulfates, no parabens, no harmful ingredients. You can actually feel good when you're using it. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash Acme. You could take your quiz and then you save 20% on your first hair care order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash Acme and let them know you heard about it from our show and then get 20% off your hair care order. Functionofbeauty.com slash Acme. I want to know like how you got into the whole dating coaching thing and like how long have you been doing that? I've been doing this for a while. I mean, it's, you know, like anything, it's sort of transformed over the years. But, you know, I have a podcast as well called The Love Drive. My brand, you know, Instagram and TikTok is called The Love Drive. And where, where that started was maybe five or six years ago in San Francisco when I used to live there, I used to drive a taxi. Sort of right as, you know... Uber and Lyft and stuff was picking up. I was driving an actual like yellow cab and driving a taxi is fun until it's not. Like it's actually really hard work and you're driving like 12, 14, 16 hours a day, kind of like grinding it out. And I was just getting bored of the job. And one of my friends said, oh, you should record your conversations with your passengers and put them on the internet. And so I did that. I put cameras and microphones and lights in the cab. And I would, I called it the love drive, you know, welcome to the love drive. And I would ask them questions. I'd hand them a stack of note cards that said like, and these were, the questions were like less sophisticated than they are now. They were like, do you think it's cool to shave your balls or sex on your period? Yes. You know, hot or not. Or like, what do you think about prostitution? And that's basically like where the idea started to have conversations with people about sex, love, and dating. And that slowly morphed into me writing blogs about intimacy and love and relationships. And then eventually uh, doing the podcast, making videos, getting certified as a coach, getting more competencies. I also used to work as a rape crisis counselor in the Bay Area. And mm-hmm. so uh, continuing to like build the competencies to be able to talk about this stuff on a more like credible level because I'd always right. had the passion to talk about relationships and love, but I didn't really have any of the un- underlying understanding and concepts that kind of help make sense of, you know, one of the most complex things that we experience, which I think is love. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit about how I got started and how I got here. That's so cool. And when when you would have a passenger who, you know, you'd be like, welcome to the love drive. And they were like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not answering your questions. You would just like not film them and it would just be like a boring ride. Yeah, that was like 90% of the rides, by the way. Oh, yeah. You must have been so excited when it was like someone willing and, and fun. 
Yeah, and and I I also understand people not wanting to go public for on 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 topics that are very very private. And a lot of people mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, like in New York, probably are like in finance or tech or you know right. so, something like forward facing, public facing. So you don't really want to have a video of you talking about your period on the internet <laughs> yeah. for the rest of your life. <laughs> but the folks that did engage were usually people in the arts or in the service industry or just like wanted to contribute to the project. So yeah, I had a lot yeah. of boring rides and then a lot of like quite exciting rides. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you're certified now, but it's it's funny, like I, you know, I have a dating, I host this dating podcast and so many people often will be like, you know, what makes you a dating expert? And And I'm not certified. So like technically nothing, right? But like, what could you say that you learned through getting like a, you know, professional coaching degree that you actually didn't know before. You know what I mean? Because I feel like it's really just a degree. But like, if you know, if you have like that dating passion, which you had before, like you kind of know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you you know where I'm going with that. I, yes. Yeah, I know exactly where you're going. Uh, I find it funny that some people really want to know like why you're credible. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like having, I find it pretty annoying but it's almost like having a fantastic meal and only making up your mind about how good it is if you know that the chef went to like Cordon Bleu or whatever. Yeah. I, don't even, I don't even know <laughs> yeah. what the culinary exactly. institutes are. It's like, is it good? You know, like, does this taste good? Does this feel good to you? Does this resonate? Is this helpful? Okay, mm-hmm. then just take that, you know? Right. So I, I, I understand that question because I get it often as well. But for me, I think I, interestingly enough, as a Capricorn, I had a reading re- recently and the, the astrologer said, you know, Capricorns rarely have built-in confidence, right? So the confidence that a Capricorn has, they build it slowly over time through experience. And so I kind of lacked a little bit of that confidence. Yeah. And so for me, getting going through the coaching certificate really helped me get the confidence to sort of believe that I belonged in this space. And then of course I learned like all this other stuff about like coaching models and presence and how um, it's the client's agenda that we're, we're moving forward, not my own agenda. Like even if I think right. that you really need to break up with them, I'm not going to really say that, you know, I'm going like, to mm-hmm. help you explore what you want to get out of the session. So some coaching models and then a lot of confidence and um, I think it helps to have some some background. But I also had a bachelor's degree in communication, like interpersonal communication from um, UCSB in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been like an effective and passionate communicator. And I just used those competencies to talk about love and sexuality and intimacy. Yeah, that's really interesting. I also think it's um, it's interesting that you call yourself a Capricorn, but I mean, technically it's just only one part of you. It's your rising. Sure. And the the astrologer like really went deep on my rising mm. and whatever, for whatever reason, you know, based on the rest of the chart. You must have uh, a lot of uh, planets in Capricorn. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you my it's, chart after this. No, uh, please do. It's funny. We have a lot of similarities in our charts. I am a Capricorn moon and a Virgo rising. So maybe us Capricorn slash Virgos are the only people who feel compelled to give dating advice because we're so realistic and grounded. 
quite possibly. Who who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Um, But going back to what something that you said really resonated with me, which is that you learned um, about, you know, pursuing their agenda as opposed to your agenda. And that's like very much a therapy thing. Like from my experience with therapy, I was in a relationship before my current one where I, I think I probably was ready to uh, break up like a year before I did, which is very common. So many people do that. You know, recently, who was it that said, uh, it was like Kristen Cavalieri, who was like, I was ready to divorce, um, you know, my husband for two years or something. And during that time where I had made up my mind or like was figuring it out, I was seeing my therapist and not once did she say, uh, you know, you should just break up with him. And had she said that, it probably would have saved me like eight months. Um, But she didn't. And she only once I said, I'm going to break up with him, did she say something like, well, you know, that sounds like a good idea. But it had to come from me, which is so interesting about therapy. I just, do you see a therapist yourself? Oh, yeah. I've been in therapy for a for three years with my current therapist. And then I did a bout of two or three years with my previous therapist. And it's funny, one day my therapist said, you know, I don't usually give advice, but I'm going to give you a piece of advice. And I go, what? You don't, what do you mean you don't give advice? And then I kind of thought back and realized, yeah, he never gave me advice. And I think it's really important for that, for us to do that with our clients, because I don't want my clients to be dependent on my input or what I think they should do for them to do what they need to do. Like I I want them to build the self-confidence and to tune into their own intuition or their internal compass to figure out what they need to do to take care of themselves. Because the reality is, you know, I am not an expert on your life. You're an expert on your life. I'm just like some third party and I'm taking the information that you give me and we're going to work with that. So it's disingenuous and a bit presumptuous for me to tell you what I think you should do. Though that is exactly what we do on Instagram and on TikTok and on social media. Like literally I say like, ask me a question, I'll tell you what to do. And that's, you know, part of that is marketing. Part of that is fun. Part of that is like, you know, little consumable bits that people... And sometimes it's a nudge in the right direction. But rarely is that enough for lasting change to happen. Right. And also like when we're giving advice, like we don't have to live with the consequences of what happens. Sure. So that's what people who like take people's advice so seriously on Instagram, like need to remember. And also like from a therapist, I remember I had a therapist once who was great, but you could tell that she was like not 100% professional in some ways. And Um, I remember I was like really upset and very much in like emotion mind and wanted to send this text to a guy like this, like, you know, rattling off like insults type text. And she encouraged me to do it and to do it while I was sitting in her office. And I know. And when I left, I was like, what the fuck? Like, why did I just send that text? Like, I did not really want to do that. But she was like, do it, do it. And so I did it. And I was like, that's not good. You know, like that's not good. And it's like, we give advice, but like, we would never, never say like, like we might be like, yeah, it sounds like you'd be better off without that relationship or it sounds like you deserve better, but we're not like send the text right now that says I could do better. You know, like there's a difference. Um, so I feel like it's like a, it's a slippery slope. 
I've been working out a lot more and going on walks when I'm not working out. And every now and then I even try to meditate. But the best thing that I can do for myself, honestly, is to focus on my sexual health. I'm lucky that I have a partner that I live with who is down to, you know, work on that together. But whenever I'm apart from him, it's so important for me to masturbate. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is. It makes me feel so much better about everything. It immediately takes away my anxiety. It helps me sleep. And I just like haven't recently been really into this like in your face, these porn websites, like it's just too much. And I want something classy and sexy. And that's why I am obsessed with Dipsy. I've always been a big reader and there's nothing better than a book that has sexy stories in it. And Dipsy is an audio app that's full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are all relatable and immersive. So you actually feel like you're right there and you feel like you're in the story in the same way that you would if you're like watching porn. And they add new content every week. There's always more to explore. If you have some like, you know, tennis coach fantasy or pilot thing, it's all on there. You can find whatever you want to find. And it just like, it also, I truly feel like when I'm in touch with my own sexual body, it heightens things with my partner when we're together. And like our intimacy levels are just like through the roof. And also it's so fun. Like what could be more fun about reading really hot stories? I I can't think of anything. So for you guys listening, Dipsy's offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash acme. That's D-I-P-S-E-A stories, all one word, dot com slash acme. You can try it out for 30 days, literally masturbate for 30 days straight if you want. And I guarantee that you're going to like it. So dipsystories.com slash acme. Something that I really enjoyed uh, when watching your TikTok videos was you have kind of a thing to say instead of ghosting. And we do that on on We Met at Acme's Instagram. We have like an anti-ghost highlight. I saw that. And Very yeah, similar and- to what I say. Very similar. We've we've had it for a while. It's so funny because I I like just discovered you, but there are so many similarities. It's almost as if like we've like always been connected in some way. I actually like yours better than ours. Like we have a couple options. One of them is for sure a, like a cop out. That's just like I'm not over my ex, but like so nice. <laughs> yeah, getting that's to a know cop you, out. Which is like not even true most of the time. Um, but then we have one that's like I was feeling more of a friend vibe. Um. Like, I hope that's okay to say, which I think is fine. But yours, um, and and jump in if I'm getting it wrong, was something like the connection wasn't what I wanted it to be or, or something like that. Like the connection wasn't there for me, or, like have a good one or, or something. Like, what was <laughs> yeah, it exactly? Yeah, yeah pretty much. So. It's funny because I, I'll tell you what it is after this. Uh, my first video that blew up on TikTok that has over 4 million views was this, was this, was showing people that, there is another option to ghosting. And it's essentially saying something like, hey, I had a really nice time with you. And and the connection that you and I have isn't the connection that I'm looking for. Good luck with your uh, foosball tournament. Sure. Take care. 
right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's the format. The format is like, I had a nice time because for the most part, let's be honest, it was nice, right? Like mm-hmm. if you didn't have a nice time, well then don't say that and or like never, you know, whatever. You don't have to say that you had a nice time if you didn't. But for the most part, if we're going on a date with someone, it's nice, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I had a nice time with you and not but, and the connection that you and I have isn't the connection that I'm looking for because the and there says that both of these can live in the same place. I can both have a nice time with you and realize that this isn't what I'm looking for. And then the take care is like sort of, it's a little rough. It is, it's like sort of meant to be a little rough. It's sort of meant to say like, there's, there's nothing left for us to explore here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, this isn't an invitation for you to have a conversation with me about you know, what went wrong or what, what kind of connection am I looking for? It's just like, take care, it's over. You know, yeah, and and the reason why that video was so popular and it has over over four million views and like thousands of comments is because half the people agreed with me and half the people disagreed. Which, by the way, is the way to make a video go viral is for yeah. it to be very dis- divisive. And uh, what I learned from that video, which is kind of, I'm really grateful that I did, but it took me a while to like kind of um, integrate the message was that a lot of women do not feel safe telling a man that mm-hmm. they're not interested because then they're opening themselves up to harassment, abuse, uh, incessant text messages on why they don't feel the connection, what they did wrong. And so for a lot of people, it feels a lot safer to ghost. And for some people, of course, it feels easier to ghost because they don't have to have that vulnerable disclosure that this isn't what I'm looking for and to potentially mm-hmm. open themselves up to something that, you know, a conversation doesn't doesn't feel great. So I learned a lot from from that. But I also still stand by the message rather than ghosting if you feel safe doing so. Yeah, I like the message. I looked at the comments briefly. And there was one comment that was like, but then I'm going to ask why. And it got like a, a lot of, you know, likes. And good point. So what would you say to someone who like, then wants to say why if you're, let's say, the one sending that text. So if if I send the text and then let's say I send it to you and you and you say why what you know what what did I do what did I do um, I could just say something along the lines of like I said this isn't the connection that I'm looking for and I don't really have anything else to share with you right yeah it's interesting I wonder if there is always even an answer to why because sometimes there's not well so it's like we are to a certain degree skirting a truth, right? Like maybe the the answer is, uh, I don't like your body odor. Maybe the answer is, I found you way too aggressive. Maybe the answer is that you uh, were using a bunch of sexual innuendos, Lindsay, that I found uncomfortable. But like, Mm -hmm. you don't actually really owe them that, that amount of information, especially in a really like a dating scenario if we're talking like one to five to eight dates or whatever. Right. I'm just making up numbers. Um, <laughs> it's easier to just say, I don't really have anything else to share with you. This isn't what I'm looking for. Period. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd say after eight dates, like maybe a little bit more information. But but again, like totally. no, you don't have to, you don't have to go that far. But I I do think it's a really interesting point and very valid that women are terrified. I mean, it's like, I just watched a documentary called um, An American Murder. And it's about a a real murder that happened. And, you know, a husband killed his wife and kids. Terrible. And at the end of the documentary, it says, 
every day, three women are murdered by their husband. Every day. And granted, those are statistics for the world, right? So like they have like, you know, the religious, like crazy, you know, fanatics who like don't allow women to like breathe twice. And, but still, I mean, that's, that's so scary. So I think so many women are scared of exactly what you said, like the abuse and the, you know, having a guy fly off. Um, There was once like a quote that I heard. It was like, it was like, men are scared of, or like men are scared to not make you laugh and women are scared for you to like murder them them or something. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's something that was so absurd like that. The risk, the risk is, totally disproportionate, you know, for yeah. we're talking about men and women. It's like, you know, what is it? 90 whatever percent of women are are killed by men or yeah. are, are abused by men. So I get it. Like, I totally understand. And I guess the message is, if you feel safe being honest, then be honest. And if you don't absolutely yeah. 100% take care of you yourself, do not get murdered. Like, it's not worth getting murdered over. Just ghost if that's what you right. need to do. But that isn't to say that all men are like that. There are so many men who women will send like the anti-ghost text to and they'll be perfectly nice and and very understanding. I actually polled like my own friends about it. And most of the men that I know are actually way more afraid to send like a text to a, a woman that is like, hey, like I just didn't feel a connection. And so they always say like pretty much 10 out of 10 times will say like work got really busy because they're they're scared to like hurt the woman's feelings. And, and then I was like, okay, let me do a poll on this. So I was like, who do you think gets more, like who do you think it's harder to send an anti-ghost text to? And I think it was like 60 or like 57% women, it's harder to send them the text. So I because think- Because we don't, we don't want to know. You, so it was harder for men to send the text to women. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Ba- yeah. Based on your polling, your your bubble. Yeah. So exactly. we live in bubbles, right? Like I, I have right, my Instagram right. bubble, and and like you know the the data is really skewed. Totally. But I think generally speaking, men are are really they just don't want to hurt people's feelings. I mm-hmm. think they really think that they have a bigger impact than they actually do. Oh, for sure. Right. That the woman is like way more interested than she might always. actually be. Always. Right. <laughs> always. Yeah. Uh, They're like, so, I don't want to be your girlfriend I, or I don't want to be your boyfriend. And it's like, what do you mean? I literally just like asked if you could pass the ketchup. Totally. I just met you. Right. So yeah, it's too bad. It's it's really too bad. I think this is indicative of a larger problem, which is that we are really scared of um, speaking up for what we want and what we don't mm-hmm. want, right? We're, yeah. we're scared of hurting people's feelings. There's a lot of people pleasing kind of built into that stuff. Uh, for men, yeah, I don't know exactly what it is on their end that makes it just so challenging to just be honest about where you're at. There's yeah. also there's a piece about like not being vulnerable and also we're speaking in like huge broad generalizations here I realize that and also this conversation and a lot of the conversations that I have are are often like very heteronormative um, yes. you know male female relationship I just want to call that out as well but mm-hmm. um yeah men just have a harder time connecting to their emotions to their emotional body to their vulnerabilities their intimacies and there's there's a piece there about not wanting to disclose that they're just not into it or that's not what they're looking for. And I know it's a tough, it's tough, it's tough. I just want to say yeah. it's, t- it's tough out there. If you're out there and you're dating 
it's tough. I get it. It's tough. We we feel you. We hear you. Um, another one of your videos that I really liked, and then I want to get into some questions that came in for you. Um, we always get the, the the number one question that people ask me is like, how do I get them to define things? Like, how do I figure out, like, how do I get out of the woods, out of the gray area? And I always say, no matter what, do not say, what are we? And then of course, <laughs> I, I find a video of yours and you say the exact same thing. But then you very directly say, tell them what you want. And then ask like, are, are we on the same page? Or is it was something like that? Or like, do you agree with me? Yeah, like, or yeah, even more simpler than that. Tell them what you want, ask them what they want. Right. I mean, if we yeah. have to boil it down so that people can do this. And I realize that it's hard to do this because, you know, oftentimes we don't ask for what we want because we don't want them to say no. And then Mm -hmm. we have to deal with the rejection. And oftentimes we don't ask for what we want because we don't want to look pushy, right? I think that's a big one that I hear a lot. I don't want... Doesn't that seem too pushy to tell somebody what you want? But I, I really want us to normalize talking about relationships, talking about intimacy and sexuality and what we want, what we don't want and our boundaries so that we can struggle less in this department. If we see more people doing it, it becomes normal. It becomes natural. And it is, to a certain degree, natural for us to like ask for what we want. So yeah, I agree. What are we lacks courage. Mm-hmm. Lacks courage and it lacks clarity. And it actually puts the, the onus on the other person for them right. to define what are we. And I, I want to recognize... I have been in this position before. I was not always been a 38-year-old man. I too once was younger and confused about what we were in a relationship and didn't really know how to talk about it. So I, I want everybody that's listening, if this is you, if you recognize yourself in this, it's perfectly natural to like recognize yourself here and to want to like evolve. And it's also natural for you to want clarity in your relationships. The brain does very, very poorly with um, fogginess and uncertainty, which is why everyone's kind of um, on edge a little bit with the pandemic and with the election. And our brains really want safety. That's our number. That's the brain's number one job is to take care of the body. Mm-hmm. And when we don't know what's going on, we're in a heightened state of anxiety. And the product of that is that we get, we're tired because our brain is thinking of all the possible scenarios. Are you my boyfriend? Are you a hookup? Are you a friends with benefit? Is there long-term potential? Is there not? Are you seeing other people? And if you don't have any clarity around that, you can literally go crazy, like crazy and exhausted, trying to figure this out in your brain, in your own little sphere, when really the answers that you seek are in a conversation with another person. I agree. But I also hesitate because part of me feels like if you have to ask someone what you are or like have that clarity conversation, it can be. And and I know you talk about red flags and deal breakers and how red flags are not deal breakers. And we'll get into that. But it can be a red flag if you're confused, like so confused about what you and this person are to the point where you have to say, do you like me? Or like, is this something that mean something to you because in my opinion and I know we're you know we're talking about heterosexual relationships in this very moment but that's just my experience with it like hands on in my opinion like guys are simple like simple to the point where like if they like you they're showing you <laughs> yeah that's the, that's sh- the that's the thing right that's they're showing the message it, totally and if they're and if they're you know taking a long time to text 
they're uh, not intentionally doing that to be hard to get. They're just not interested in you or you're not a priority. So when, you know, someone who's really confused about where they stand with a guy uh, says to me, you know, how do I figure out what we are? It sounds like you're nothing to this person. Um, but I know that it's not so black and white. And and like I'm, you know, trying to get better at at that concept. But I, I guess in my own experiences, whenever I had to like go to a length to get them to define things, it was it was kind of a red flag that I wish I had focused more on because then like I maybe I got what I wanted, but it wasn't it didn't turn out being something good. Does does that make sense? Yeah. And wow, I mean, we can go in so many different directions here. I also want to give space to this idea that the early phases of relationships can be very confusing because both mm-hmm. people are still gauging each other. Do I like this person? How much do I like them? Do I see a future with them? Do I not? I also like this other person here. And then, God, you know, my the relationship with my ex was so great in so many different ways that this relationship doesn't seem to be fitting that way. And then there's attachment styles and there's trauma and there's our past experiences. And then there's all of the conflicting uh, dating advice on we met at Acme and on the love drive mm-hmm. and on TikTok and on Instagram. And so people are bombarded with uncertainties and like a lack of clarity. And so it it is a confusing time. The early stages of relationship are confusing. I I just want to give space to that. And if you don't know where you're at and you need to ask, it's, it's okay. I also really want to like move away from the narrative that um, if he's into you, you'll know. And the fact that men are simple, like I, I think we're not as simple as maybe people make us out to be. We we might not have explored our eternal, our emotional landscape as much as women. So it might actually be very confusing for us how we feel about you. And in my experience, a, a conversation brings clarity, right? My my old therapist, Dr. Jay Talkoff, who I love, and I love the fact that his name is Talkoff. Um, <laughs> said, the more you communicate, the more they communicate. Mm. And so I think checking in early and often about your relationship, about what we're doing, about how I feel about you and about how you feel about me from the get-go establishes this sort of normalcy. This is what we do. We talk about this. In our relationship, we talk about how we feel about each other. I think if we did more of that, we wouldn't we wouldn't find ourselves in situations where we have to ask, what are we? Because we kind of know, because we're doing this, we're doing a check-in, right? Even Mm. on the third date, like, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know, I really like you. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'm enjoying getting to know you, looking forward to continuing to get to know you, right? So if you say that on the third date and they say, you know what? I really like, I'm really enjoying this as well. This is something that I would like to continue to do. Okay, that's the last time you had good information from the person's mouth about how they feel about you. And then you go three, four more dates and you do another check-in. A casual, not like a, you know, hey, I have something I need to talk to you about. Sit down on the couch, light a candle. This stuff (laughs) can happen during walks. It can happen over dinner. Like we can be checking in, even in early stage dating, we can be doing this stuff so that it doesn't get to the point where we're three months down the road. We've been going on a bunch of dates. I don't know if you're still on a dating app or not. I'm not, but a friend says that you are. And like... Then there's just it just gets real confusing really quickly, and the the conversation about what are we gets huge. Right. It gets really scary. The stakes are high. I like him. I'm not sure if he likes me. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't want to scare him away. I don't want to look too needy. And we get into like that thing that you mentioned, like the emotional 
just like emotion ma- mind, yeah, emotion, yeah. I was like masturbating, like mentally masturbating over all of the potential outcomes of this conversation. When really all we want to say is, "I really like you. Do you like me back?" And yeah. I think we need to normalize having those conversations as much as possible. Yeah, you're right, and. You know, when I say men are simple, what I mean is that like usually when someone wants to get in touch with you, they will. And that I I will stand by. But I do agree that you kind of set the tone and maybe, you know, men set the tone too. But we both set the tone for the open conversation, which is why I feel like talking about these things. I mean, even talking about sex, like the first time you do it, oh, did you like that? Or like, did you feel like it would be better like this? Like those conversations make just opening that line of conversations so much easier. So I'm with you. I think, you know, something that worked in my current relationship was that we did do these like check-ins every so often. Like I I would say like, I'm really enjoying getting to know you or they would be like, I like you. And I'd be like, I like you too. So a, a lot of that stuff happened before the like, oh, will you be my girlfriend uh, conversation happened. So I feel like if there's none of that before the what are we, then it is going to confuse them. But there are many guys, like I know tons of guys that, you know, would hook up for as long as they can get away with hooking up um, before the girl's like, okay, like now I need you to tell me a commitment. And maybe they need that moment or like that to take that few days to be like, do I really like this person or do I not? Um, And that's not the ideal way to like define things, but that does happen with a lot of relationships too. I think like someone just has to like put their foot down, but that's not how it should be. It should be more of like the conversation back and forth. So I agree with you on that. I also, to your point, I want to, I want to say fair point to the fact that like, if people generally speaking like you, they'll reach out. If they want to spend time with you, they'll reach out. If they want to text, they'll reach out. And I also think that on the men's side and maybe even on, on the women's side, probably you can maybe speak to this is that um, they don't want to seem too eager. They don't yeah. want to seem like they like you too much because they don't want to scare you away or that they think that the way to get the girl is to play cool. And right. I, I mean, so I, I want to give room for that scenario. And what I've done in my life is that I have just decided that playing cool in dating is just not something I'm willing to play. Right? Like I like to say that I don't play games because I don't know the rules. And the fact is that no one really knows the rules, except for maybe the two women who wrote the rules. Yeah. And even those rules, I think, are not great rules to live by. So like when I like someone, I just tell them. And if that scares them away, cool. Like you're not meant for me. Because yeah. I'm the type of person who's going to tell you how I feel. And I will tell you often how I feel. And I will ask you how you feel. I'm so happy you just brought up those two women who wrote the rules because one of the questions I was about to ask you that came in for you was, what do you think of, quote unquote, the rules? Do you feel that guys have to lead? Is that one of the rules? That's like the gist of it. Is that like you have to let them pursue you and not like be the aggressor? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So first of all, I never read the rules. Uh, just anything that's like, you know, 10 steps to get the guy or or whatever. Like I just don't read that stuff because I don't think that... I don't think that we are animals and that men need to hunt. <laughs> so I, I made a duet with somebody on TikTok and it, she said, you know, men need to hunt. You are the prey. And to, to that, I said, you know, hunters kill their prey. Like you don't right. want to be the prey. That's not a good yeah. analogy for dating, yeah. you know? Like, and also I want to recognize that there is space for 
for masculine and feminine energy, although that's that actually has been disproved. And so all I want to say is that it's confusing. It is hard. I don't think that we should adhere to any rule. I think uh, that if you are a person and you want something, the best way to get to get it is to ask for it. Right. So if you're a woman and you want a man and you want to go on a date with a man, if you want to find out if that person wants to go on a date with you, ask them out on a date. Sitting around, waiting, twirling your hair, giving, yeah. you know, three seconds of eye contact, then looking away, then re-engaging, and then looking at your notes to make sure you got the, you know, the <laughs> the list, the steps correct to, you know, show them that you're interested. All that stuff is confusing. And mm-hmm. it's it's like it's going to mess with your mind. Yeah. So go and ask the dude out. Go and ask the woman out. And if they're into it, hopefully they'll say yes. And if they're not, okay, cool. That person is no longer on the radar. right? Mm-hmm. I, what I want is for people to, to make space in their life for something big and beautiful to come in. And I think the playing games and the rules thing gets in the way because it, it puts in into that space, all these potential opportunities. I've got three people that I have subtly signaled interest with, two likes on a post, one DM, this kind of stuff, a snap. And it's like, what are we doing? We're getting lost. Also, like, let's remember, for most of civilization, we didn't have social media. We didn't have telephones. We just right. did. We just went up to people the old-fashioned way and we asked them out to dinner. And mm-hmm. I feel like dating is gone. Like people don't, people see a date as like, uh, really threatening and like really intense and, and with too much expectations. And for me is a, a date is just like two people going out with the intention of getting to know each other to see if they want to continue to get to know each other. That's yeah. the whole thing. So I think that women can ask guys out on dates. Guys can ask women out on dates. It's okay. Let's just ask people out and like, let's get a little bit more clarity in our romantic intrigue. Yeah, I agree. I think women can ask guys on dates, but I I think they can ask guys on the first date and then they have to wait to see if there is reciprocated interest because I think with any situation, you know, you want to make sure that you're not the only person, you know, in this like push and pull kind of thing which is important. So I know how you feel about red flag deal breakers. You think that red flags are not deal breakers and opportunities to have conversations, which is great. We do these... (laughs) He's like trying to say something and I'm like not letting it happen. But But I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So we do this uh, these poll questions, this like rapid fire poll question game on our Instagram. And so I was going to ask you what you think um, and do some rapid fire questions. But first, say what you were going to say. <laughs> I have to say, like, I love not interrupting people. I think it's the best thing possible. It's just like, <laughs> see where they're going to go. But also, with I never recorded with Zoom. I only recorded with audio. So people yeah. can't tell when I'm like, really want to uh-huh. say something. Uh-huh. I, I want to use this opportunity. First of all, I answered a bunch of those questions earlier today. So I'm excited to like go, go through them with you. And I want to take this opportunity to ask you who I think has a lot of experience with red flags. What is a red flag? Can we just can we just define that right now? Mm, this is for yeah. me. This is for me. Yeah. A red flag is something that you should pay attention to in your relationship that you might be overlooking that um, could be an issue. 
And I would say like three red flags equal a deal breaker. Got it. Okay. And then is there a room for a yellow flag? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a room for, there's green flags too, which, we love those. you know, people might think are red flags, but in fact, they're green flags. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'm, I'm a little unclear. I mean, I know the concept of the red flag. It's something that mm-hmm. I've, I've had a hard time defining. And so is you being, you know, a person in the space that talks about the stuff I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel that it is. Okay. So your significant other says that they don't want to post a picture of you on their Instagram yet because it will upset their ex. Red flag or deal breaker? Oh, okay. Wait. So a red flag is something to have a... to to be aware of. Be aware. Be aware. Be be mindful. Well, that's Mm -hmm. uh, that's a deal breaker. Well, actually, you know what? Oh, Jesus. Um, I am in a... So... Uh, that's like, I guess would be a red flag. I'm in a relationship. I'm also in a relationship where I do a lot of things that I would not counsel other people to do. Yeah. I I am too in some ways. Okay. Yeah. Like um, she was in a relationship when we met. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a lot of like non-clarity. There still is a little bit of like, what does the future hold? There's a relationship with the next. It's very sensitive, and and even mm. to this day, we're still like dealing with that. So I think my girlfriend uh, still hasn't posted. We've been you know together, dating on and off for three years. More on in the last year, um, we don't have any photos of us on her social media. She's also not really a social media person, which I think your partner isn't either. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, he's yeah. not on Instagram. Yeah, get yourself one of those partners, Seriously. and then you can Seriously. post whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Exactly. It's so for me, for me, I would really want to know. I, I can't just say that's a, a deal breaker because I want to know what's the relationship like? How did it end? How do they feel about their ex? What's the impact of posting a photo on social media going to be on the ex? Like, I really want to give room for relationships not to be so black and white and issues not to be so black and white and to recognize that it's it's often kind of a gray zone and often yeah. a little a lot often a little blurry. I agree with you. However, for this exercise, deal we... breaker. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um a friend wants you to meet their friend who just moved it to your city. After looking them up, you realize you messaged on a dating app a month ago. You're grabbing drinks with them. Do you bring up that you matched on the app and make a joke of it or pretend it never happened? Bring up or pretend it never happened. Oh, bring it up for sure. Yeah, agreed. It'd be so weird if you pretended it never happened. Well, bring it up uh, because how fun is that? It's like a something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we match. What did you? Why didn't you think I was cute? Did you not think right, I was cute right, right. enough to text? Why didn't you reply to my message? I think people said pretend it never happened so that you can say that you met organically, like as opposed to on the app. You know? Oh, who cares where you meet? I know. I agree. Um, red flag or deal breaker. Significant other demands to know your sexual history along with names and details. Oh, uh, like a itemized list? Yes. Uh, deal breaker. Yeah. Only because you're forcing me to pick between a red flag and a deal breaker and you know that I don't like black and white. But Yeah, but the... that's not a red flag. That's like toxic behavior right there. Okay, fine. Deal breaker. Um, is the relationship doomed if you like saying I love you daily, but your significant other of two years rarely says it because they don't want to overuse it? A red flag. Hmm. Why not deal breaker? 
because I want to know what their experience has been with the word I love you. Is there trauma there? Is there like an mm -hmm. ex that said I love you a lot and then suddenly left them? Was there right. withholding of I love you from parents growing up? And so it's like a really loaded word. Uh, was it, you know, did, did, did his dad... I'm, I'm assuming genders. Did his dad mm. say it to his mom every day? And then they found out that he'd been um, carrying on an affair for their whole marriage. So there's like so many stories there. Like I always want to yeah. know what's the story behind the behavior? Yeah, that's that's nice and professional of you to think that way. Um, to give them the benefit of the doubt, you know? At least once. Yeah, at least once. Sean, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so happy I finally got you on here. Do you have a quote or piece of advice that you can leave with our listeners? Talk about it. Mm, that's good. Just Straight every, to the point. Just everything. Everything that you are scared of talking about, the questions that you're scared of asking because you don't want to hear the answer that you don't want to hear, your insecurities, your fears, your you know, the stories that you're telling yourself, like talk about them, talk about them with your loved one, talk about them with your relationship. If you know, yeah. with your partner, if you're in one or with your friends or your therapist, just like, let's talk about what's going on with us. Awesome. Where can everyone find you, follow you, listen to you and watch your TikToks? At The Love Drive. That's, that's just Google The Love Drive. You'll come up with the podcast at The Love Drive on all the social media and... And that's all. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you, Lindsay. I really appreciate this.